Good evening, everybody. How's everybody tonight? Awesome. Um, what I uh, what I want to talk about tonight was uh, Holy Week. The week leading up to Easter, they call either Holy Week or Passion Week, the Passover. Um, it's um, through research and everything that um, I was. I don't know why it's um, it's never really dawned on me the whole week leading up to Easter. Everybody looks forward to Easter, but the week leading up to it, you're like, how do we go from Palm Sunday where they're laying palm branches down and singing God's praises to the next Sunday, or not even Sunday, the next Friday. I mean, later that week, they're saying, crucify him. I'm like, how do we get from a triumphal entry to the crucifixion? Um, So I've really been intrigued, uh, which has caused me to go deeper into what happened that week. Um, So I just, I wanted to share some uh, things with you that I found. Um, The gospel, the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, are called the gospels. 30% of the gospels are written about the last week, the 30% of those four books are about this one week. There's three and a half years of ministry plus the birth and everything else. And there's, there's a third of it is written in a one week period. I, I just thought that was so interesting that, um, I was trying to find it Sunday so I could tell the kids, uh, in Sunday school about, and then I figured I'd just, uh, research it. But, um, anyway, um, so it starts with the triumphal entry, um, but it goes back to Zechariah 9.9, which is the Old Testament, um, and the, for those that don't know, the, the time is split up before Christ, and then, um, I think it's Anno Domini, the, the B.C. and the A.D., so it's, the before Christ in the year of the Lord. So um, Jesus is riding in on a donkey at 30 AD um, or around there. Um, and Zechariah has written about this in prophecy at 15, eight, 518 BC. So 500 years before it foretells that um, Jesus is going to be riding in. Um, so it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. We think of a king triumphal riding in. We're thinking a stallion. I mean, it's, it's like, a, you know, a white horse. It's, it's not a donkey. But when you research, when the kings went in and dominated the other lands, they rode in on a donkey, um, which I just learned this today, and I've never, I've never known it. Um, it symbolized peace. If they were to overtake another country, when they rode in, if they were riding in triumph, they rode their their horse. 
But if they were writing in saying everything's conquered, everything's well, this is peace. I bring you peace. The donkey represented peace, and I never knew that before. I'm like, that is, I mean, it just, it's, it's, because um, I'm thinking, Jesus never did anything the way we thought he should do it. I mean, obviously, um, but to come in on a on a donkey, um, but the the scriptures being foretold, and we see it all over um, in the Old Testament, the prophets foretelling of his birth, his death, his resurrection, everything. So, um, but, um, so we'll go on to John 12, and then it's going to be 12 through 19. Um, this is the the triumphal entry. The, Jesus told the disciples to go and get this donkey, and they're like, it's going to be tied up over there, just go get it, and if anybody says, what are you doing, say, the Lord has need of it, and they're like, okay, take it, you know, it's like, so, um, John twelve twelve says, the next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, excuse me, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt, which is... Um, 16 you don't have 16 I'm sorry my bad Um, so anyway um, so Hosanna some of the scriptures and there's Matthew, Mark, Luke and John all record it um, the the last week All, all four books record the last week and all of them have a little bit but Hosanna um is blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna means God save us or salvation or um, so um, so we go from Sunday um, sorry I keep moving around I'm so used to that lapel mic and I thought this would have worked better I'm, I didn't realize that how easy the lapel mic is um so we go from Palm Sunday when he comes in um, to um, Monday. And some of the stories that I've heard about the things that Jesus does, I just hear about them scattered out throughout the Bible. I never put them in chronolo- chronolo- chronological order. Um, so the the money changers and overthrowing the, the tables and stuff, I thought that was something he did early on in ministry. That was something he did the week that he knows he's going to die. And I'm thinking, yeah, I bet he is mad. I mean, you got you got these people set up in church selling these sacrifices, knowing he's getting ready to die this horrible death on a cross, and they're profiting from what they're selling. And um, so... Um, Matthew twenty one twelve through seventeen, I believe, says. Um, 
Maybe that'll make it better. Sorry. Uh, Matthew 21, 12, and we'll go through um, 17, I believe. It says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. His last week, I mean, how heavy he must have been seeing all this. But when the chief priests and the scribes, which were religious leaders, saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna, son of David, um, they were indignant, which means, I wrote it down because I didn't want to mess it up, feeling or showing anger or annoyance. They was messed up. So, um, and he said to them, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you, have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Then he left them and went out to the city of Bethany and lodged there. Um, I just, there, there's a set of scriptures for each of the four gospels, but I thought that one was, I think that was the only one that mentioned him healing people. All of them mentioned him overturning tables. Some of them mentioned him even making a, a little whip and running them out, running the animals out and stuff. Um, but that was the only one I could find that showed that even in the midst of everything else, he was still healing people. Um, so we go from Sunday to Monday, and then Tuesday, he goes to the Mount of Olives, which is where he also curses a fig tree, which I didn't realize was this either. Um, but there's, I kind of overlooked it, just the, um, but there was a lot of things that the scriptures talk about, about the fig tree and everything, but um, the, um, this was his last week on earth as a man, and he wasn't making no friends. He was, I mean, he wasn't pulling no punches. He was telling it like it was, and we'll see. We've, we've got some scriptures to read here in Matthew. Um, I like the way Matthew puts it because he just writes it. Um, for those that don't know, you have Matthew um, was a tax collector. Luke was a physician. John was a fisherman, and then... Um, I can't remember what Mark was. Um, but anyway, so you have different stories from different perspectives. And Luke was writing after the fact. Luke was one of Paul's disciples. Um, so he wasn't even at there. He wasn't there at that point, but he was writing it from that story. So you have um, first-hand accounts from Matthew, Mark, and John. So um, Matthew, he just, he just kind of lets it go. Uh, 21, 12 through 17, I think. No. I'm sorry, 23, 24 through 33. I got confused. Um, 23 says, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Jesus is speaking um, to the religious leaders, and he's like, you worry about a bug in your drink, but you're swallowing a camel. I mean, he's he just... Uh, he just kind of lets it go to him. I mean, he says, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of your cup and dish, but inside they're full of extortion and self-indulgence, which is, I mean, selfishness. Or, um, 
blind Pharisees first cleanse the inside of your cup and dish, and that the outside may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, graves, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Even you, even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous. And say, if I had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers of them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you are witnesses against yourself that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up, then, the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, broad of vipers, snakes. <laughs> How can you escape the condemnation of hell? I mean, he, he wasn't pulling no punches. He's just telling them like it was. And they're like, well, if we'd have been in that day, we wouldn't have done this. He's like, you're doing it right now. I mean, I'm standing right here before you, and you're doing it. Um, but uh, we'll go on to um, 26, 14 through 18. And this, this could be either Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday um, through that week. It's when Judas Iscariot uh, agrees to um, betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Um, so then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he saw opportunity to betray him. Um, so basically, one of Jesus' disciples have agreed to sell him to the religious leaders for 30 pieces of silver because there's always people around him and they can't get to to Jesus without going through the people and they don't want to cause an uproar. So they're trying to find a way to get him without causing a, a bunch of incident or whatever. Um, and then um, it's weird because each day they have, like, um, they have different things that they call and different things that happen. Um, but in John twelve twenty through 38, uh, Jesus predicts his death. And it says, um, Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, and was, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has, not, has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life and this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. 
Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by, the, by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if, and I, if I come, am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Jesus speaking. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. The people answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Then Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtakes you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. But although he said he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. That the, word, that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So Jesus is speaking um, to them, saying that he's come, and they don't quite understand what's going on. Um, but um, we go from there on to what a lot of us know as like the Last Supper and the foot washing um, and then um, the other things that take place. So um, we went from Sunday him riding in, Monday him going to the temple, Tuesday him going to the Mount of Olives, um, Wednesday and being portrayed and then Thursday we're going to see that um, Jesus knowing that his time's coming near um, takes the time out to be with his disciples um, he has them preparing up a room to where they can go eat the feast uh, what they call a Passover which it's cool that we've been learning in the Passover in like uh, Sunday school because of the um, Israelites, when when they were in Egypt, God told them to put the to kill lamb and put the blood over the doorway and on the doorpost, so that the the death angel would pass over. And that's what they were celebrating was a Passover. But here we go from um, from the lamb's blood to the lamb Jesus to to setting up the stage for his blood. Um, so um, the next one is, I believe it's uh, where uh, Luke twenty two fifteen through 20, I think it starts out with foot washing and ends with the Passover, I believe. 
It says, uh, then he said to them with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the, from the vine of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is a, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. I could just imagine the disciples. I mean, they're like, you're right here. This we're doing in remembrance of you. You're still here. I mean, um, but all of this just to to make the full circle. I don't know how to react or responded if I was one of those guys that were like, this guy's lost his mind. I mean, because they're like either either he was crazy, either he was a liar, or either he was a son of God. And you're like, there's, there's, I've got a book and I almost brought it. It's, it's called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And it's written by Josh and Sean McDowell. McDowell. Um, and um, Sean McDowell, or Josh, Josh McDowell is a father, Sean's a son. Um, and he was an atheist. And um, he did like uh, Lee Strobel did with the Case for Christ, where he took like two years to study out. He was trying to prove Christians wrong, and he said, you know, like two years later, it may not have taken him two years, but he's like, there's so much evidence that shows that not only um, was it right, but he had to make a decision, and he's all the scriptures that foretell all the things that have to take place all the things that um that line up that there's no way it could just happen i mean from everything that was foretold um anyway um the after after they eat when they're at the the supper is when jesus tells them one of them's going to betray him and they're like who's going to betray and he's like the one that dips his bread with me he's going to betray me and then he looks at Judas Judas, and he says whatever you're going to do do quickly I mean you're going to do it go do it and um, so Judas leaves and um, Jesus goes to pray and he goes to the garden of Gethsemane and he takes um, disciples with him and he's like pray here I'm going to go on a little pray and then he comes back and they've fallen asleep and then he's like you know can't you just stay up I mean just pray I mean he's excruciating he knows what he's about to have to endure and I mean to the point that um, he's he's sweating great drops of blood and they said that medically it is possible if somebody's in such torment and such stress that they can physically break capillaries and their sweat can turn to blood. It, we look at some of these as Bible stories, and the more you look into them, the more you realize that there's so much evidence that 
there's no way you can just think that there's Bible stories. All these places that they wrote about, all these people that they wrote about, you can look at them. Um, you can follow lineages. You can follow. I mean, you can look all this stuff up and know timelines. And, I mean, all this stuff, it's all recorded. So, um, anyway, we're... Um, so today's Wednesday, and then we talked about Thursday with the foot washing, um, which is where Jesus washes the disciples' feet, which is nothing you'd expect from a king. I mean, you would think you go into a king's house, the last thing you think is the king's going to kneel down and wash your feet. I mean, he's going to have servants that's going to do that. Um, but, and then um, we go into um, where they go into the garden, and where he's praying, excuse me. And then um, Luke twenty-two forty-four is where um, Jesus, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly than he, than his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. I'm glad that we have all this recorded, because. Um, we don't have to worry about just somebody passing on a story. Like Pastor said, you tell one story, by the time it gets to the end, it's a whole other story. I mean, but it's recorded, and we can go back to it and look at it. And I wrote down um, all four, um, and I'll just I'll tell them briefly, but the stories are Matthew 26, 17 through 75. I won't read all that. <laughs> Uh, Mark fourteen twelve through seventy two, Luke twenty two seven through sixty two, John thirteen one through thirty eight. These are telling the stories, um, in all four gospels. And if you need them afterwards, I can get them to you too. But um, the so while they're praying, the uh, guards come. And Judas betrays him with a kiss. He tells the guards, the one that I go up and kiss, that's the one that's Jesus. Um, that's the one you need to get. So um, I got somebody after me going to pray may not be on the top of my list. And then in public, I mean, he goes to an, an, an outdoor garden. And you can look. The Garden of Gethsemane is a real place. And you can, I mean, you can look at pictures of it you can google it i mean um so he's in the garden of gethsemane praying these soldiers come up then his disciples are awake then they're ready to fight it's like you couldn't stay awake while i prayed i mean i'm begging you half a night to stay up but now you want to stay up now you want to fight people um so they pull their swords they cut off a guy's ear jesus reach up puts his ear back on if somebody cut my ear off and the guy that i'm after reaches up and puts it back on my head game's over i'm i'm like there's no way i'm like no i'm not touching that dude i'm it's like there ain't no way he just put my ear back on i but this guard's like huh I'm, it's like they're ready to fight and he's jesus like who do you want and he's like jesus he's like i'm he this i'm it and he's like he's like well come with me and he's like well what do you bring all these men like i'm some kind of criminal he's like you know you don't need all this he knew it was his time and he was praying in the garden god if it's your will, let it pass. Don't don't put me through this. But if there's no other way, this is what I'm here for. 
And there's several places in here throughout the scripture. It says he was our voluntary sacrifice. Nobody held him down. There's even on the cross. I mean, nobody could have forced him to do what he volunteered to do. I mean, it's, they used to say Nels didn't hold him there, love did, because it was his love for us that allowed us um, the, the mediator between us and God. I mean, it's, um, it just put it all, just put it all in perspective for me, because um, thinking of, it's not like they, like, if he didn't want to call, the Bible even says if he could have called 10,000 angels down and just wiped the place out, it's like, and um, he chose to do that for us, but um, the, into Friday, it goes through the the trial, which was, I mean, they tried him in the middle of the night, they took him from one leader to another leader, trying to um, do things in the dark to keep people from being able to have their way so the religious people could have their way. Um, and it goes from trial, crucifixion, and death. And um, in Luke twenty three thirty four, it says, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. Um, I think I got ahead of myself on that one. Um, which one's that? 34. Um, Luke 23, 46. Oh, that is, um, I thought I had more scripture than that. Maybe not. I think I forgot a scripture. But anyway, so they, they basically, um, take him in the middle of the night out of the garden, take him before uh, I believe it was Pilate, um, and so that um, I should have wrote the names down. Um, they take him before the Romans, and um, they're back and forth. He's like, "No, you deal with him." He's like, "No, you deal with him." He's like, "No, he's a Jew. You deal with him." And then one of the leaders. Um, I think it was Pilate's wife um, had a dream. It's like, this is a, uh, am I right or am I wrong on that? Um, he said, um, she said that they're, this is a religious man that don't touch him, don't don't have anything to do with it. And so he gets a bowl out and washes his hands. He's like, you guys do what you want, but my hands are clean. I'm not part of this. This is your deal. Um, but, the whole thing was the religious leaders were trying to crucify him for what he said he was, which was a king of the Jews. And when they did crucify him, they put a sign over him, said the king of the Jews. But it's like they, they honored him with the words that he was saying he was as they were killing him for not believing he was who he said he was. But I'm like, I'm glad I wasn't a religious leader at that time because I'm, I'm thinking, 
I don't know. I mean, if you have somebody coming here like that today, you're like, uh, I mean, we've never seen it before. I mean, how do we know it's, you know, it's true or whatever? But um, we know because we have the ability to read back and see what they went through and everything else. But they were living it out in real time. So um, for them, it had to be confusing. But there were certain times where, He's healing people and he's doing things, and it's like, wait a minute. I mean, are we really? Are, are we okay? Are we? Are, are we condemning somebody that has done nothing but good? I mean, it's like, what's he found guilty of? It's um, well, he's healed people. He healed on the Sabbath. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> if if I need the healing and it was Sunday and that's when I got it, I don't think I'd complain about, I mean, it's, it's like, so, um, but it just, it didn't, none of it made sense the way that the people thought it should make sense. They, the, his followers, some of them just followed him. And the, the scriptures say when he came in, even on Sunday, they're like, um, they had heard about him raising Lazarus from the dead. So they're like, oh, you know, he, he does miracles. And some of them even called him a prophet. They didn't even, you know, didn't even know he was the son of God. They're just, um, they're there for what they can see or what they can get or whatever. Um, but um, then um, at, the, at the end, they... Um, they take um, and they basically torture him. They whip him with what they call a, a, a cat of nine cells, which is like uh, a whip that's got like nine braided lines on it that have bone and glass or fragment metal, whatever in it, iron. Um, and they take they take that and they're like, well, we'll just beat him and let him go. But then the people are so ramped up by, like, no, you can't let him go. you got to kill him. It's like crucify him. And so um, they're, the people are just, the same people that were laying branches down, laying coats down, and saying, you know, Hosanna, the one that comes in the name of the Lord, I mean, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, by Friday, they're the same ones yelling, crucifying. It's like, how do we go from blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord to crucify? Um, but after after they beat him and sentenced him to death, they they released one, they were allowed to release one person. Um, and Instead of releasing Jesus, which they thought they would do, they released Barabbas, which was convicted of murder. They hung an innocent man and two thieves and let a murderer free. And I'm like, even letting one of the thieves go over a murder, I mean, it's like, but again, it said he was, it was, he was hung between two thieves. I mean, it was, it was all part of prophecy. It was all part of what was foretold that was going to, that was going to come, um, but so there's a lot in the crucifixion, which um, 
you can read those stories again Matthew 26 Mark 14 Luke 22 and John 13 um, it's amazing to see the different accounts the different things that different people record that they went through um, but even on Jesus' last breath he's like you know forgive them but um, they, I, I learned something else about in um, in burial poor people were buried in the ground but rich people were buried in caves and wealthy people buried in caves and um, and other, I mean above ground so um, Jesus didn't have a tomb so they um, they buried him in a borrowed tomb which was two of the I believe both of them were Sanhedrin the same Jew, the same religious leaders that were that were set out to to condemn him uh, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea or Arimathea Arimathea I believe um, it said um, he breathed his last about the ninth hour of the day about 3 p.m. and by 6 Friday uh, Nicodemus and Joseph Arimathea took the body down and laid it in um, a borrowed tomb and then um, they prepared 75 pounds of uh, myrrh and aloe and stuff that they would use for like biblical embalming back then um, which I was thinking 75 pounds Jesus was carpenter construction I mean you're thinking there's no way he's 200 pounds I mean this this dude's fit he walks everywhere he, you know he was raised as a carpenter it, it he he might have been 150 160 even 180 I mean there the the barrel spices were almost half of what his weight was um, but um, the um, the scripture records in John 19 and this is my last scripture 39 and 40 It said, And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds. Oh, mine said 75 pounds. Um, then he took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with spices, um, the custom of the Jews to bury. So um, I must have got that mixed up with something else. But anyway, 7,500 pounds. A lot of weight for uh, to bury somebody, and I don't know. I know it was a custom and stuff through that, but um, I'm um, I struggle with how to end it because we go through the whole week of the Holy Week or the Passion Week or the Passover Week or all this, but. Um, over the next couple of days, Thursday, remember, you know, what Jesus was going through, you know, 2,000 years ago, um, meeting in the upper room, washing feet. Friday, what he had to go through in agony and, and prayer and um, even in um, with, he told Peter he'd deny him 
And he's like, I would never deny you. I'd die for you. And he's like, before the rooster crows three times, or before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times, which is the rooster crows in the morning. So by by morning, you're gonna you're gonna already deny me three times. And he's like, no, I wouldn't. I'd die first. And but so he goes through um, betrayal of his friend. He goes through denial. He goes through you know feeling alone. He goes through torture. All these things that are leading up to Sunday, um, he goes to the cross um, over the next couple of days. But Sunday is a whole other story. So I'm looking forward to church Sunday because um, that's not where it ends. I've seen a picture that's got all these graves out and got all these what they call gods on these tombstones. But on Jesus' tomb... The rocks rolled away. And the tomb's empty. Um, so um, it it looked it looked bad for everybody that was involved. Um, but Sunday's coming. So thank you guys.